McCafe K-Cup Pods are bringing two tempting tastes right to your coffee cup only at Walmart. Classic French toast brings the best of breakfast to every sip with the comforting flavors of sweet maple syrup, buttery toast, and a dash of cinnamon. Baked apple pie honors the classic cafe dessert with the taste of crisp apple, buttery pie crust, and sweet cinnamon flavors. Brew them up with the new Keurig K-Express Essentials Brewer. Whatever flavor you choose, you can't lose. So try them both. McCafe, available at Walmart. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. You know, so much of the time we're just lost. Say, please, God, tell us what is right. Tell us what is true. I mean, there is no justice. The rich win, the poor are powerless. We become tired of hearing people lie. And after a time, we become dead. A little dead. We think of ourselves as victims. And we become victims. We become... We become weak. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our beliefs. We doubt our institutions. And we doubt the law. But today, you are the law. You are the law. Not some book. Not the lawyers. Not a, a marble statue or the trappings of the court. See, those are just symbols of our desire to be just. They are, they are in fact a prayer. We have a fervent and a frightened prayer. In my religion, they say, act as if you had faith. Faith will be given to you. If. If we are to have faith in justice, we need only to believe in ourselves. I believe there is justice in our hearts.
In October 2015, the French Radio Canada investigative television program Enquête uncovered stories of sexual violence toward Aboriginal women in the Quebec mining town of Val d'Or, about 500 kilometers northwest of Montreal. The alleged victims spoke of a pattern involving the Quebec Provincial Police, the Sarté du Québec, over a period of at least two decades. The women told how officers routinely picked up women who appeared to be intoxicated, drove them out of town, and left them to walk home in the cold. Some alleged they were physically assaulted or made to perform sex acts. Bianca Mushun recounted how male officers would give her beer they kept stored in the trunk of their vehicles. She said the men would later take her to a remote area. We went to a road in the woods, and that's where they would ask me to perform fellatio, said Mushun. They paid her $100 for service and $100 to keep quiet. Sometimes they paid me in coke. Sometimes they paid me in cash. Sometimes both. Another woman, speaking anonymously, said she was assaulted by an officer in his car on the road between Valdor and Waswanipi, a Cree community about 275 kilometers northeast of Valdor. He wanted a blowjob. I said no, she wrote. He threw me out and grabbed my hair. He left me alone on the highway. In the wake of the enquête report and allegations, formal complaints were launched and an internal police investigation by the Sarté de Québec was confirmed. Fourteen files have been opened for allegations related to the behavior of our officers, said Sarté de Québec spokeswoman Martine Aislin. These are allegations, not charges for now. This is who killed Teresa. a bartender at Le Manoir in Valdor, had heard such stories from Aboriginal women many, many times. If they don't perform fellatio, they get massacred. They show up here with bumps, bruises, punches, and burns. But not all SQ officers in Valdor act that way. There are two or three or four bad apples among them, Marcel said. That's it. Too bad. 
bad apples. Let's stop right there. Uh, It's a great place to stop um, intentionally because, uh, you know, when we started this series um, with L'Affaire du Bon, that that was the explanation of what was given. It was a few bad apples, Um, not the entire force in Trois-Rivières. And here we are at the bookend that that um, uh, incident uh, in Trois-Rivières taking place in the late 60s. And now here we are uh, in our story today in 2015. And again, it's been 50 years and it's bad apples, two, three, four at the most. That's the problem. Couldn't be anything else. Of course not. What are you talking about? Um, A lot of this... Um, kind of the background in uh, the situation in Veldor that, uh, you know, the story broke in 2015, but this had been going on for decades. And not only in, in Veldor, Veldor is no, by no means uh, should be scapegoated in a lot of Northern communities um, where police protection is provided by, by, by let's just say it, a white force, whether it's the SQ, the RCMP or a local police force. Um, and and much of this uh, kind of boiled over with the disappearance in 2014 of uh, Cindy Rupert House. Um, she was 44, Algonquin, and she disappeared April 23rd, 2014, at a hospital in uh, Valdor, Quebec. And her family and 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 many in the community felt the the Sarté de Quebec did little to take seriously uh, her disappearance. Uh, a starlight tour, sometimes known as a as a midnight uh, ride, also known in Quebec sometimes as the geographic cure. Uh, it's a practice uh, involving where police d- drive someone who they uh, perceive as uh, in- intoxicated far from town and ditch them in the middle of nowhere, uh, often targeting um, uh, First Nations people, Aboriginal people. Um became the focus of an investigation in Saskatoon. Um, uh, there's uh, quite a good book on it uh, called Starlight Tour, The Last Lonely Night of Neil Stonechild. It's written by uh, Suzanne Reber and Robert Renault. Um, uh, in a case in the 1990s uh, were men, including uh, Neil Stonechild, uh, their bodies were found frozen on, you know, on the side of the road on the outskirts of town. Um, in the Saskatoon um, event affair, um, uh, two police officers and a police chief were later fired, and two more officers were sentenced to eight months in prison for unlawful uh, confinement. Before continuing, I, I do want to acknowledge that today's um, story has, uh, is a patchwork of reporting uh, provided by the Montreal Gazette, uh, CBC News, and uh, French uh, Radio Canada. Um, and the original program, the, the Enquête documentary um, that sort of launched this whole uh, Valdor affair, I've put on the website uh, www.teresalore.com. T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E point com. You can find uh, that documentary um, both in English and French on the website. It's about about 40 minutes long. won't take you long to go through it to give you a really good uh, visual impression, impression of certainly of the victims who I 
don't go into as much detail um, as I should today, um, uh, simply because um, uh, um, there's a villain in this affair and I want it to be uh, properly documented. And that villain is the institution known as the Sarté du Québec. Uh, so um, they get most of the attention, but certainly you, you can uh, hear the victims speaking in their own words in that documentary and also get a very very much a geographic um, impression of what uh, the mining town of Valdor is, is like. So Quebec's indigenous leaders convene and they, they immediately demand a sit-down meeting uh, with then-premier uh, Philippe Couillard. Uh, we're giving Couillard 24 hours to meet with us and even that is being generous, said uh, Ghislain uh, Picard, the Quebec regional chief for the Assembly of First Nations. It's a firm limit, and when it expires, we will act. Quebec's Cree communities also announce a boycott of businesses in Veldor and say they will no longer hold their annual hockey tournament in the city. The tournament brings Cree families from across the province to Veldor and injects an estimated $4 million into the local economy. Though the SQ were aware of the allegations brought forth by Radio Canada for at least five months, some of the officers in questions were only pulled from active duty after the enquête broadcast. Quebec's public security minister, Lisa Thiriot, announces eight SQ officers will be placed on administrative leave pending the results of an investigation originally to be conducted by the Montreal police. Now, later, the Quebec government backtracks and says the investigation will be overseen by a civilian observer to ensure its findings are objective. <laughs> and <laughs> this, this is always, uh, it's like a, broken refrain, one force investigating the other, all the way back to when we started this series, SQ investigating the Chambly force, which was a disaster in the 60s. Um, how they can't, it's now it's, you know, we're, we're, we're caught up, right? It's 50 or 60 years later, and they're still, after public inquiry, after inquiry, after recommendation, Upon recommendation, they are still investigating themselves. Chief Picard states, there's no trust between our community and the SQ. It's broken. Contrary to what many are saying, this is a crisis. And to give you a little context about Veldor, um, you know, what, what is it? So it's we know it's this mining town Um 500 clicks uh, northwest of Montreal. Uh, it's really in the interior, man. Um, I think in the 60s and 70s, it's improved a lot, but in the 60s and 70s, it was quite uh, rough. Uh, my, my father went up there for an engineering project. I think he put a radio tower up in Valdor in the 70s um, construction. And uh, Valdor kind of acts as a crossroads for Quebec indigenous uh, people. It's um, it's like the closest urban center to about a dozen Cree and Algonquin communities, reserves. 
um, and its airport, uh, it's like a gateway to the the real north um, into Inuit uh, communities. So as a result, there's like thousands of indigenous people come to Valdor each year uh, to study or to work, um, to escape overcrowded uh, housing conditions that exist in many isolated Quebec First Nations. Um, and it, at the same way, it's, it's, it's a gateway to a more ur- urban lifestyles. Many people will, from these towns like Sheffield, uh, Valdor, Setil, um, they'll eventually, you know, from the reserve to these northern towns, and then some will make the big gamble and come to big cities like uh, Montreal. Um, there's a great documentary uh, by Alanis uh, Obama Sawin, uh, the First Nations documentary filmmaker, um, primarily with the National Film Board of Canada. The, the film's called No Address, um, and it's about many of these Aboriginals uh, coming to Montreal in, the, I think, in the late 80s and getting stuck there and uh, with no prospects, no job, um, living on the street, becoming uh, homeless. Uh, it, it's um, it's an eyeful. Uh, it's not long. It's only about an hour long. Um, I, th- I think most of the activity centers around, I believe it was called the... the is it the Queen's Hotel in uh, in Montreal? It's now been raised. It was this abandoned hotel where where many many of them would would stay. You know, no lights, no functioning toilets, but at least some form of shelter. Um, uh, Alanis Obasawin is um, is a great. You, you would do yourself a favor by going to the the NFB website it's all free all that content nfb just the initials point c a c a um she's got about i think six documentaries on the oka mohawk crisis um all of her work is fascinating thought-provoking uh funny in a in a in a really dry bitter uh manner uh, incident at rishtagush I'm pronouncing that wrong, but you know where I mean. But fishing rights um, of First Nations. Uh, we'll hold that thought. We'll get to that. She's got a documentary on that, too, that is uh, outstanding. I get up so heavy a haze on my mind Medicated, one to numb and one to climb So, uh, vilify them as I might. There's two sides to every story, and uh, there's certainly the presumption of innocence in this case. On the on the other side, the Sirte Quebec officers felt equally offended 
and thought there had been a rush to judgment. Public Security Minister Lisa Terrio appeared at a news conference in tears, which um, I mean I've seen the f- the footage. It, it it seems a bit a bit much. It's a bit over the top, given that she apparently knew of the allegations for months. Uh, some of the officers circulated a petition demanding that the public security minister apologize to them for apparently uh, siding too quickly with the indigenous women. In an act of solidarity with the uh, suspension, the suspended uh, uh, eight officers, a number of local SQ police refused to show up uh, to work uh, and reinforcements had to be called in from neighboring communities. The president of um, the Quebec Provincial Police Union, uh, Pierre Villot, came to the defense of the eight officers, stating that the crisis shed light on social problems in our Aboriginal communities who live in great difficulty across the country and that it would be unfortunate if these officers became scapegoats for problems that overshadow their responsibilities. In November 2015, Premier Philippe Couillard announces the appointment of Fanny LaFontaine to oversee the police investigation into the the Val d'Or scandal. That's the police, the one person in charge of police oversight. Uh, LaFontaine is a civilian auditor, lawyer, professor, author, and human rights expert, but not the first choice of First Nations chiefs who feel they should have been part of Couillard's uh, decision-making process. The Couillard government quickly then announces it will provide $6.1 million to improve services to Native communities in the Abitibi region. Then in the spring of 2016, more Aboriginal women come forward with Similar allegations of abuse involving Sarti de Quebec officers in communities across the province. By now, two of the original eight officers charged with abuse are cleared of wrongdoing. But police won't say how many women have reported abuse. The news um, of the new allegations of rape, physical abuse, and starlight tours come from women in the Manawaki, Setil, and Shefferville uh, regions. Uh, so they are then adding their voices to those in the original report. While the uh, La Fontaine SPVM investigation drags on, many doubt the police investigation will get very far. My first reaction was that they'll all make sure that this will get smothered it won't go any further, says retired SQ officer Jean Obamsawin. A former Ministry of Public Security worker, Isabelle Perrin, says charges are rare in cases where a police force investigates another. Many times when it gets to the level of the prosecutors, they'll say they don't have all the information needed to bring it to court, Perrin said. So in the end, there are many levels where it can get dropped so it doesn't get followed through.
there's a cruel punchline here, and you know it's coming. In the fall of 2016, the Montreal police turn over 37 files of documented abuse against Aboriginal women in Valdor to prosecutors for review. But Quebec's Director of Criminal Prosecutions refuses to lay charges in connection with any of the 37 files, setting off a wave of criticism from activists and Indigenous leaders. In a statement, the victims describe feeling betrayed, humiliated, and express fear of the return of the suspended police officers, fear of reprisals, fear for our own security. One of the victims, Joyce Thomas, comments, It's like encouraging the police to continue to do things. Fanny Lafontaine, the civilian auditor who was tasked with observing the investigation as it was carried out by the Montreal police, releases her report calling it a fair and impartial process. By now, members of the Sarté du Québec are suing Radio-Canada for airing the enquête report, calling it biased, misleading, inaccurate, incomplete, and untrue, further stating that it created a hostile working environment for officers in Valdor. In December 2016, the Quebec government proposes a full-blown public inquiry into police relations in Valdor, Quebec. The news comes after members of the federal inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls says that its two-year mandate isn't long enough to delve into the questions of Valdor. And I should give some explanation here of uh, MMIWG, uh, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's and Girls. So this was a federal... <laughs> hold on to your hats because it's going to get a little confusing. So th- there was a federal inquiry uh, launched by uh, the Trudeau, the Justin Trudeau government in 2016, a two-year process that was kind of winding down at, at the time that... Um, all of this was blow, uh, blowing up at in uh, Valdor. So what they're saying is we don't, we can't go into all of that. Um, and um, whatever, there are critics uh, and supporters on both sides of that federal inquiry, and I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to discuss that. All I'll, I'll say is that um, 
That report was released in June of this year, June 2019. It's a 1,200-page document uh, called um, Reclaiming Power and Place. Um, you can find it online. Um, and to, within it, it, it has that report has its own separate um, document concerning Quebec. There's a 175 supplement to the report that pays just special attention to indigenous people in Quebec, but not Valdor and not specifically, um, not police specific. Um, so this is what uh, the Quebec government is getting at at this point in the story. There's a, there's been a federal inquiry um, into uh, indigenous uh, victims uh, and within that federal inquiry, there has even been a supplemental report about Quebec. But we're going to have another inquiry. <laughs> and and if if you're feeling shades here of uh, uh, Maddox Poitras that we talked about um, and how there had been, uh, you know, a report on police corruption just, just prior to Lawrence Poitras launching... A, a second inquiry into police corruption. Here we have an inquiry into uh, indigenous-specific police corruption. <laughs> Quebec loves their public inquiries. And in announcing uh, this new inquiry, the Quebec government states that the commission won't repeat criminal investigations into police officers. Instead, it will focus on systemic racism and its causes. And while this is commendable, here we see again that we're getting further and further from the origins of the story, that SQ officers abused Aboriginal women. But, um, you know, with that, even still, um, I think this is a good quote, uh, writing about the Oka crisis in 1990, uh, Hubert uh, Bosch, uh, I think, says this quite uh, eloquently. Quote, The Sertij Gebek had compiled a bulging record of operational blunders and gratuitous violence from the demonstrations and the FLQ activities of the late 60s and 70s to a series of excessive interventions in this decade, talking about the 90s, uh, in native communities like uh, Les Escoumins, Malio Tenam and uh, Restagouche. Um, given their track record of excessive uh, First Nations interventions, I, I personally don't think it's much of a stretch to see that systemic racism against Aboriginal women would have been a factor in um, the Sarate de Quebec um, practices of starlight uh, tours and uh, abuse. And if you if you don't know about, I mean, I I don't know the details of some of these interventions. I do know Restigouche, um, and, and of course Oka, to which that Bosch article re refers to. And it's always thought that they, you know, they, um, they, you know, they took a hammer uh, to solve a problem that could have been resolved, uh, you know, with a little dialogue. They sent 200 to 300 people into Oka um, over, you know, who has the rights to a golf course 
um, they sent uh, close to 300 people into Ristagush um, when when all that the the First Nations were asking for um, were rights to the salmon fishing. You know, in full regalia, right? In full battle combat, uh, you know, with truncheons, the, the whole thing. So um, you can certainly believe that, uh, you know, this... Uh, Feelings of resentment um, and suspicions and hatreds were swelling over the decades. Um, it's it's no surprise to me. Um, it's no surprise to me that uh, something like Valdor that it did happen. I do ab- believe the women and the abuse alle- allegations, and be- because I can see um, what could have you know <laughs> the the toxic. Uh, pathways that would have led up uh, to that kind of behavior. And certainly I understand why women would keep silent and, and not talk about this for decades. That uh, That is no surprise to me. The, you know, the counter argument always to that is, well, well, then therefore they made it up because it's coming decades later. No way, man. Are you out of your mind? Uh, if you're the guy with the gun, uh, that is a, that is an intimidating position to be in and then you're going to be surprised when people shut up i i don't think so man i don't think so In 2017, the Viennes Commission is launched, named after retired Quebec Superior Court Justice Jacques Vien, who leads the inquiry. Uh, there are the typical interviews and community meetings that uh, go along uh, along with these affairs. Uh, in 2017, the commission visits every Algonquin nation and two of the three Mohawk communities. In total, there are about 13 weeks of public audiences in Val d'Or and 81 community visits, with 62 of them uh, public information sessions. The work continues into 2018, with the process due to wrap up on November 30th of that year. And throughout the Vien uh, process, Certe du Quebec officers ignore appeals to remove a symbolic red band from their uniforms, which indigenous witnesses have stated they perceive as intimidation and provocation. Officers uh, in Val d'Or and in northwestern Quebec begin wearing the bands after their eight colleagues were suspended following the allegations of the mistreatment of indigenous women. Um, police officers attach the bands inscribed with 144, 144, the number of the Valdor detachment, to the top of their Certe du Québec vests just above 
their name tags. And uh, Justice uh, Jacques Vien states, I have hoped that at some point this practice would be abandoned. Michel Odette, a commissioner on the federal inquiry into murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, tells SQ Captain Paul Charbonneau, who is in charge of discipline and legal service in the provincial police service, that the wearing of the red bands was not helping to promote reconciliation and that he should speak to his superiors about banning them. In October 2018, a retired Quebec police officer pleads guilty to charges laid against him in the only criminal case to go forward following the allegations of police misconduct in Valdor in 2015. Jean-Luc Vallin pleads guilty to sexual assault on October 5th at the Settilde Courthouse after being charged in 2016 for rape, indecent assault, and sexual assault for incidents which occurred during his time working with the local police force, not the Sardit Quebec, in Shefferville in the 1980s. The two other charges of rape and indecent assault were automatically dropped due to a provision in the criminal code which states a person cannot be convicted twice for the same crime. By pleading guilty, Volin avoids going to trial, denying victims their chance to speak publicly within the justice system about their abuse. There had been one other officer charged with sexual assault an assault with a weapon in the aftermath of Valdor. Alain Junot worked with the Sûreté de Québec in Shefferville in the 1990s, but Junot committed suicide in early 2017, two months after the Crown laid charges against him. In late October 2018, the person who commanded the Quebec Provincial Police in 2015 said he had no clue there were any problems of police misconduct at the Valdor detachment. Even in the months leading up to a wave of public allegations made by indigenous women in the region. Martin Prudhomme testified at the Vieng inquiry that until May 2015, I didn't have any information or details that led me to think there was a major problem in Valdor. Prudhomme's testimony contradicts that of Jean Vicaire, a police officer who worked with the SQ in Valdor in 2013. In August, Vicaire told the Vien inquiry that he had informed his superior of allegations of misconduct that had been reported to him by a local politician. Vicaire stated that he told his supervisor at the time and was shocked when that manager said that he was already aware of the allegations, naming a specific officer. Vicaire also testified that his fellow SQ officers had told him of intoxicated indigenous people being taken on starlight tours. When asked if this was a phenomenon that is well known within the SQ, 
Prudhomme responded that he had never heard of such a practice before. On Friday, December 13th, 2018, the Vienne Commission completed their work just two weeks late of the November 30th deadline. At the closing ceremony, Vivian Michel, president of Quebec Native Women and the last person to testify um, at uh, the process, asked the inquiry members to not drown out the stories of Veldor women in their recommendations also stating that without a real apology from police in Quebec, reconciliation would not be possible. Their stories must not be forgotten. They decided to make this sacrifice, to make sure other women didn't have to live through what they went through, says Michel. The Vienne report has not yet been released. It's due this month, September 2019, but Jacques Vien has already stated he will call for better training and education for police in the province of Quebec. This is who killed Teresa. I'm just remembering, I think um, <laughs> better police training was one of the uh, primary recommendations, both of the Belmar SQ inquiry and the, uh, the Poitras inquiry in the, in the 90s. So, yeah, plus ça change, c'est la même chose. That's... That's it. Um, uh, it can concludes what I started at the beginning of this summer, kind of a, a four-part series. I always want to do four parts just on police corruption, just to kind of get away from things. So from uh, from the Fertupont to Matix to the uh, Helen uh, Helen uh, Ertubis case, now Valdor as just kind of a a sampling through the ages of, uh, uh, come on, let's be serious. There are very, very responsible, good police officers in Quebec, um, but no one wants to hear that story. Um, show me that story. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell it. Um, but um, that, uh, it's not my job, man. Promotion's not my job. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that a lot of work, a lot of re research. Learned a lot through all of that, but um, wanted to conclude um, with summer's end. Uh, we move into September. We'll move on and do uh, do something uh, do something different. Uh, I I wanna I wanna give a shout out to the music today. 
Um, I think it's the only time I've had permission to use music. Um, and that is um, Red Fox. The band Red Fox is much, mostly what you've heard in the heart of uh, the episode. Um, Wish I could close your eyes Wish I could take away the years that were forced into your life Wish I could bring back that innocent smile What can I do now? A five-piece outfit um, from the Montreal area. I thought, I thought from the eastern townships. Uh, I noticed, I think they were playing in uh, Ayers Cliff recently, but are going on uh, a tour uh, this fall. So the timing here is really, really great. Uh, and, and they are, you know, young musicians. Uh, they, they describe themselves as being a little bit like uh, the Punch Brothers or uh, um, Mumford & Son uh, but I think they have a sound that's completely all their own. And, and I know them uh, because uh, uh, one of the musicians is the son of um, a woman who I know from Teresa's whole affair. I'll just say that. Uh, but they are, as I say, they're on tour. Um, and I just, look, I just think they're fantastic. Uh, might make not a, you know, kind of a curve, kind of different uh than what I usually uh, play. Uh, maybe a little sentimental, a little poppy, uh, um, which uh, I hope they'll not f- find fault with me with that, um, for saying that, but but it, 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 I, incredible musicianship. Let's start there. And great hooks, musical hooks. Um, uh, and I use them, I actually had worked out... Um, this arrangement back in the spring to do this. It just got um, delayed, but I'm really, really pleased with it. Uh, for reasons I won't go into, I thought I had some very specific reasons that uh, for using a Red Fox for this episode. Um, but I'm not going to explain. You just have to kind of psychologically figure it out for yourselves because it's the, it's the best way music works on people. Uh, but they're on tour, like I said. Um, beginning September 12th, they're going to appear in Montreal at uh, La Marche à Côté, which is on Saint-Denis in the Plateau. So they're there. Then they, uh, they're in Quebec City, Lennoxville, uh, for, for two stops at the gate and at uh, Masterclass. Uh, and on, um, in late September, September 28th in Ottawa, September 29th in Kingston. Moving into October, they're in Perth at the Perth Tea Room, uh, Brockville, uh, Peterborough, uh, Toronto, October 4th at the Cameron House. The Cameron House? Are you kidding? It's been years. <laughs> uh, Oshawa, uh, Backyard October Fist, uh, Fest, uh, October uh, 5th. Then uh, on to uh, Hamilton, London, Ontario, uh, at the London Brewing Company, Oshawa, Cork and Bean, and rounding things out October 13th uh, at Mate in St. Catharines, Ontario. Red Fox, uh, check them out. They're on Spotify. It's one word, R-E-D-F-O-X, Red Fox. Great, 
Greek band. And thanks so much, guys, for for uh, allowing me to do that. Been a real treat. Uh, just a quick outro today because we're running out of time. Um, as I said, there's a website, TheresaLore.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E, point com. That is also the Twitter handle, at uh, uh, Teresa Allure, just without the point count on Twitter. <laughs> there's a Facebook page. You can listen on, um, well, you're listening now, so we're, wherever you listen, that's where you listen. But um, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, um, well, I don't know, what is one of the other ones? Stitcher, iTunes, uh, give us a good review. Um, share the episode. I don't know stuff like that. I'm going to be switching platforms soon because um, I found out that uh, tricks are for kids. SoundCloud is for kids. Time to time to put on my big boy pants. And uh, so yeah, I'm switching to what's it called here? Something. Uh, uh, Libsyn. I'm, I'm going over to Libsyn in the new year. Um, it really won't change anything for you. I don't think <laughs> it's more for me. Uh, anyway, uh, enough yapping. You heard me uh, yapping on here for just shy of 50 minutes. So I'm going to kill it. This has been Who Killed Teresa. I'm your host, John Allure. Have yourselves a great, great day.
We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.